Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Touristicue for you. More Grenork's burden. All right, we heard that his uh, Grenork's brother was trying to make a deal with Earth, and Grenork didn't really like that all that much. And so he thinks that the aliens, the the little uh, Cartarians that are after them are, are related to his brother and uh, will take off in the future where uh, where uh, uh, they're, they're still listening to Grenork tell his story. Grenork's story was interrupted by alarms triggering in the crew's field of vision. Cal pulled up at her display and saw they had flown into a swarm of Orkandu battlecruisers. They were bombarding the dervish with heavy ordnance. The ship's AI was doing its best to avoid the explosions, but they were still taking damage. Hayden took the controls and began evasive maneuvers. To the bridge, now! Cal yelled. They ran through the halls. Meanwhile, the craft shuddered with each blast. When they got to the bridge, they were hit hard enough to get tossed from their seats. Aft shields down, Grenork said as he strapped himself into his seat. Aft was a bit of a misnomer because the vessel had four appendages with thrusters, weapons, sensors that could be adjusted to make any part of the ship the aft. However, for ease of command, they called the end of the craft that pointed in the direction they were typically traveling the bow and the other way, the aft. Divert the power to the shield. Use life support if you have to, Cal ordered. Make her talk to me. What do you see? There are a total of 48 ships, 12 battlecruisers, 24 destroyers, 12 various, plus they are launching fighters. How did they get the drop on us, Cal said? We were traveling faster than light. The autopilot dropped out of warp to navigate an asteroid field, Hayden added. Turns out they weren't asteroids, but an armada. But the sensors should have detected other ships, Reese said. The Touristicues have the technology to make fleets look like asteroids, to long-range sensors. I surmise that the Barony cut a deal with Earth, Maker said. 
We can figure out whys later. Can you get us back to faster than light? Cal asked. They're clustered too tightly, Hayden said. To quote last week's movie nine, there's not enough runway. Can you, can you fly us out of the cluster? Cal asked. I can try. What do you mean try? Do it! <laughs> They're doing an offensive maneuver we earthlings like to call the bubble, Hayden said while he dodged the onslaught. The fleets keep their target inside within firing range, and every time we make our way to the edge of the bubble, the unoccupied ships maneuver to keep us in the center. So how do we get out? Cal asked. Hayden shrugged. The fleet in the center causes enough destruction so they can't maintain the, the formation. I've never seen it used on one ship before. Another explosion rocked the dervish, and the microgravity generators barely kept up. However, this time, they were all strapped into their seats. Hayden zipped through the horde, dodging wave after wave of heavy fire. A destroyer shot two missiles at them, and he threaded the ship between two battlecruisers flying in formation. The rockets impacted one of the larger vessel's hulls. A sphere of fighters descended on them, and he wove through them while Grenork took out as many as he could. Weapons fire erupted in every direction. Three fighters that managed to get their rear smashed in the hull of a destroyer when Granork turned the ship at a near 90-degree angle. It was a spectacular testament to their craft and skills as a crew. However, they couldn't keep up the pace forever. A plasma round from an enemy fighter took out the bow shields. A concussion missile hit a little too close for comfort and strained the hull. Debris from destroyed ships pelted their vessel. An energy weapon from a destroyer grazed the side. Every time they would fly out of range of another ship, another would circle around to get in their path. If Hayden changed directions, the fleet would react appropriately. Soon attrition might win the battle. Since Cal's home world was such high gravity, everything was superior to the members of her tribe. A giant animal called the Mamamamatan had a thick, long, brown coat and four sturdy legs and a large, round body and an angular head. When threatened, the animal would rear on its hind legs and cause the ground to tremble when it slammed them down, and those unlucky enough to be underfoot would be crushed. Spears, arrows, and other traditional hunting weapons were useless against the creature. A rampaging herd could level a village. Despite their danger, the meat from one Mamamamatan could feed an entire tribe for weeks. Its fur was used to make rope, bowstrings, and musical instruments. The bones were so robust they were used as support pillars for their multi-family dwellings. The creatures were a blessing from the spirit of her planet. Because the bounties of downing even one Mamamamatan, her ancestors used ingenuity over might. Members of the hunting party would track the herd for days if needed. They watched one for one to stray and made noises to scare the beast off. They raced alongside it, making the forest come alive with strange sounds, until the creature was led into a trap, an enclosure made from a brandbuck tree. About a day after the beast's thirst would override its common sense, it would drink from the trough filled with petals of a flower that would put the beast into an endless sleep. The creature gave its life for the tribe, and the hunters came back victorious. Often, the problems of her life in the village would require to use over mind over a spear. Since they couldn't figure fight out of the situation, they needed to think their way out. They needed to find a way to lead the Orkandus to the outcome they wanted, whereas right now they were playing into the trap. It was like they were stuck in the hunting party's ruse. They were the Mamamamatam running through the forest to its death. Cal thought for a moment and had an idea. 
Give me the controls. What? Hayden said. She could just take them, but she wanted her Spectre crew. I said, let me pilot the ship, Cal said. You hate flying, and no one's better at this than me. I don't need an ace at the moment. Why? What's your plan? I'm going to surrender. The entire crew reacted at the same time. Trek kick will make us his slaves, Granor growled. This is unwise, Maker said. Are you crazy? Hayden yelped. Why do we even steal the ship? Reese yelled. Settle down, Cal ordered, and the room got quiet. There was a beast back home that was too powerful to take down on its own, so the hunters would steer it towards its death. You were saying that someone is leading us to a particular location? Maker postulated. Think about it. First the Cartarians caused us to turn tail and run, and now a horde of Orcandus just happened to be in our path. With all due respect, Hayden said, space is pretty big. What if we didn't just run off in the right direction? Factoring terrestrial patrols, inhabited UPE systems, and other obstacles, there are only a few routes we could have traveled without being picked up on long-range sensors. Five fleets of comparable size could be placed at strategic locations to guarantee this encounter, Maker said. The barony has much more than that, Grenork said. Okay, Hayden said. So this was staged. What makes you think surrender is our only option? Because they don't want us dead. They want us to narrowly escape in the direction they want us to go. Well, let's do that. At least we'll be on the lookout for any traps. By the time the beast was where the hunters wanted it to be, it was already dead. It just didn't know it yet. So you're just going to give up? Who said about giving up? I said surrender. I would say I'm not getting paid enough for this, but it turns out I'm not getting paid at all, Aiden said as he switched his controls over to Cal. She took control over the ship and hit the brakes. They lurched to a full stop, and just as Cal had suspected, a few of the fighters shot at their shields, a couple of the bombardments rocked their hull, but the Orcandus couldn't keep up the facade. Eventually, all the pursuers' activity ground to a halt as the adversaries waited to see what the dervish would do next. How'd you know they would do that? Reese cried out. Cal shrugged. We lost our aft shields pretty quickly. And remember those three fighters that seemed to be tailing us forever? Why didn't they concentrate their fire on our aft? Even with the emergency measures we have taken, enough hits could have torn us apart and exposed us to the vacuum of space. Intriguing. That would infer they want us alive, Maker said. We don't know what they want, Cal said, but we might as well find out. Open a channel. A bumbling Orkandu appeared on the main viewing screen. It looked as if he was putting on his war helmet the last minute. An image appeared as if it were on the far wall of the front room, even though it wasn't really there. Each crew member would have seen it, too, because on-screen meant that sharing it with others in the room. Even though there is technically no view screen, Cal felt comfortable looking at one. Granork recognized him at once. He told Cal that the fleet commander was one of his brother's friends. Perverus was an idiot that would waste away his family's fortune and do nothing all day. Um, Prevera said, do you, uh, surrender? Granark snorted at the pitiful attempt to sound intimidating, though most other species wouldn't know the difference. I thought you'd give me some information first, Cal said. Uh, then you'll surrender? The man said. We'll talk about it. Uh, okay, what do you want to know? He grinned. Who hired you for starters? Baron Trekkek the Great. When can we board you? I'll get to that. You're telling me that a baron who is more concerned with lining his pockets is doing all this just to get back his brother? 
or get back at his brother? I, I don't think so. Tell me who your baron works for. My baron's free to rule how he sees fit. The, the money is only here because we are the best soldiers in the galaxy. No one fights fiercely as can do. We are like... Cal nodded and Reese cut the communication line. <laughs> I guess that answers his question. Who else can buy him off but Earth? Hayden said. I get that Earth is all butt hurt. We took their favorite toy. But this seems like a weird way to get it back. Why not send the IF fleet if you want to come at us with an army? Maybe it's not the UPE, Cal said. Maybe it's an individual investor on Earth. It was an IF admiral that approached me at my ascension, Grenorg said. Yeah, but anyone who's rich and powerful on Earth seems to have an IF friend or two. How do we know it was he? How do we know he was in the barony for an official Earth business? Cal said. When we get out of this, you're going to have to finish your story, Granorg nodded. If we get out of this, do not underestimate my brother. All right, we're just going to end it right there. So yeah, if you are ascending to the barony and you got a brother that doesn't like you, that loves money, watch your back later on in life. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess if you're, you know, I don't know. I love my brother. I mean, me and my brother, we're, we're thick as thieves. We, 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 we hang out, you know. We were, we were best friends growing up, so <laughs> I have good family relations. So, <laughs> But, you know, as a writer, you got to write bad family relations because, you know, good family relations aren't as interesting. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe there are. Maybe there's some good family relations. I mean, you know, uh, I guess uh, uh, Stranger Things, that that's a good family relations, right? Yeah, see? Yeah, tie that in there, huh? Anyways, uh, cool. Well, I guess uh, I will uh, be back, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you, uh, you know, in Butte. This is my uh, last recording here in uh, uh, Billings. All right, thank you. Thank you.